If you're an established woman in tech who is creating results and making an impact at work, so your workload and stress just keep growing, but promotions and salary bumps remain a distant dream, it's time for a change. Listen, we all know the tech industry has dramatically changed. It's time your career approach did too. You don't need cookie cutter programs or dusty advice from outdated playbooks because What works for tech bros won't work for you. You need individualized, bespoke support to build your brave career. One that reflects who you are as a woman in tech. I invite you to explore career coaching with me. Get all the details, including prices and client results at tricksteinbach.com. You can stress less work less, and earn more. You've already earned it. Let's make it happen. Bravery is a skill, not a personality trait, and it is the fastest, most powerful skill to creating the career and life you really want. I'm Nicole Trick-Steinbach, the International Bravery Coach and your host. I'm a former global senior director in the tech industry who's worked in over 25 countries. I'm now a certified and proven coach serving professional women like you all over the world. My promise is that you will stress less, work less, and then earn more. The Celebrate Brave podcast is for you. So make sure you subscribe for weekly brave inspiration, including proven frameworks for career and life success my answers to your listener questions, and powerful conversations with my clients and other brave leaders. You are already brave. You can define what brave means for you and your goals and build your brave. In fact, you're already in the right place. So let's dive in. The most common question I get is, what is bravery? The second most common question I get is, what is career coaching? And the third most common is, how do I know if I'm ready for career coaching? So we're going to answer those questions. The last two questions, what is career coaching and how do I know if I'm ready for it? We're going to answer that today. And I'm doing this in a slightly creative and never before done way. I'm sharing a podcast episode that ran on another podcast called This Could Have Been an Email with my client, Nicole Vafferdardi, and her friend, Alex Suazo. Now, in this podcast episode, they're asking me, what's a career coach and how do I know I'm ready for it? And then we have an extensive conversation. We cover so much amazing ground. We start off with, who am I? What do I do? Some of that information I've never shared on this podcast, funny enough. Then we dive into what are some of the signs and symptoms career coaching may be the right next step for you. We talk about the benefits of a qualified, experienced, and proven coach and how to select that coach. We talk a little bit about mentors, therapists, career coaches, and then some of the results that you can expect. 
I loved this conversation. I'm so excited to share it with you because you are going to experience me being asked questions that are most likely bouncing around in your head as well. And we probably didn't cover all your questions. So make sure if a question comes up that you want answered on this podcast, send me an email at Nicole at tricksteinbach.com. And as this is going live, I do have free spots in my coaching so that you can stop being so stressed out in your career. You can get back to your hobbies, get back to quality sleep, enjoy what you're doing, and yes, indeed, begin to earn even more. Again, Nicole at tricksteinbach.com. Let's dive into this really wonderful episode. So on today's episode, we're going to ask the question that some of us have wondered at probably some point of our career, do I need a career coach? What the hell is a career coach? Is my career going in the right direction? Should I be asking for more money? Am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? It's a cycle of panic. So much panic. But we are here to take that panic away. We are super excited to have back on the show with us today, apparently an all-time favorite that many have loved very much, our favorite bravery coach, Coach Nicole Trick-Steinbach. How did I do on the accent? Such a good job. Heck yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad I definitely practiced that. Anyway, for those of you that may have not listened to the first episode, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, Coach Nicole, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and explain to us a little bit about what bravery is and how it relates to our careers. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, so hey everybody. I also got really fun feedback about that earlier episode. So you're good and you haven't listened to that. Listen to it again, it's so fun. And I cried. I actually listened to it on my dog walk and I cried when the other guests were Carrie, she's a gem. So good. We can learn from this next generation. Anywho, hi, y'all. My name is Nicole Turksteinbach. I am the international bravery coach. And as you can tell, I married into a German family. So I lived in Germany for 13 years, which is a big deal because I actually grew up in welfare. I grew up in poverty with abuse and a stutter. And when I moved to Germany, I actually started a whole process of personal growth and professional growth. I ended up building my career in Germany. Met a fantastic guy while I was there. I left here right after college when I was 22. And I came back when I was whatever 22 plus 13 is, 35 with two kids, couple of mortgages in Germany, and an executive career. It was this huge shift. And all of that was in women in tech. So I actually started as a secretary in technology. And I ended my corporate career and started investing in women as a global executive. So my fancy dancy title that they had to force me to use, which is a story of my bravery, was global senior director of change and communications or communications and change or something real fancy with a lot. I love it. Right. And, um, you know, and bravery was really hard for me as a kid, the bravery to speak up, even though I never knew when I would stumble with my words or with my pronunciation. Bravery in being poor and still trying out for things, still doing track, even though, you know, I couldn't continue. 
bravery later in my career of saying yes before I was ready and saying no when I was exhausted. And so when it was time for me to move on, I actually interviewed with a lot of places and I got offers and I kept saying no. And finally, someone in my life who I've known for a long time was like, girl, you cannot have another boss. You are the boss. What do you actually want to change in this world? And I wanted to change being the single damn woman in rooms with power and authority. Wanted to change that tech is the spine of the world. And remember, I started my business coaching women in technology before the pandemic. Executives would argue with me that tech was the spine of the world. I don't have to talk about that anymore. Everybody gets it now. Finally, finally. Right. But I wanted to change that we have this technology that when people say to me, I'm not great at technology, depending on my level of bravery and comfort at that moment, my answer is, yeah, of course, you don't want to think like a mediocre white guy because we don't have enough of everybody making all the decisions for the spine of the world. And that's what I really want to change. And that's how I got into bravery. So two truths whenever I talk about bravery. Number one, brave is a skill. It is not a personality trait. And number two, you are already brave. So let me give you an example. How many times have you talked to someone and had an unpleasant experience? They were rude. They didn't answer your questions. They looked down the nose at you. They pretended they couldn't understand you. They looked over your shoulder, right? Are we talking about adults or toddlers? I was like, toddler every day. Okay. Is it one in the same? For real. Parenting is like, actually, I believe that caregiving period is one of the bravest things that we can do. I agree. Right? And questioning this paradigm created by Walden. So fun thing about Walden, who went into the woods and like wrote this book that everybody glorifies. You Do you know he didn't cook or clean or care for himself? Do you know who did it? No. His mama. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. The gentleman who wrote the whole book of the foundation of our economic system. I can't remember his name right now. He moved back in with his mama so he could <laughs> write that book. And then we wonder... Okay. Why the bravest, most important work has, quote unquote, no value right. in this society, right. right? Right. Yeah. So so that's really bravery. That's a little bit about me. I have two kids now. I live in Colorado now after 13 years in Germany. I sound like an American. I was educated here. And I think like a German. So I get real confused about certain American things. And I have to have <laughs> the bravery to be like, what? What do you mean you worked when you had a massive ear infection? Hey? I don't understand. <laughs> or what do you mean taking a holiday? <laughs> yep, yep. So what should people know, like our listeners? I don't know if they've had the same experience. I've had people reach out to me on LinkedIn of like, hey, I'm a career coach. Schedule 15 minutes with me and, you know, let's talk through what your career looks like. And I've gone through ebbs and flows of like, I absolutely need a career coach. No, I don't need a career coach. So. What should people consider engaging an expert and having an outside perspective? And what should women expect from what a good coaching relationship should be? 
There's so many, so many things. I know. I'm sorry. I struggle often, too, with whether I need one or not. You know, I'll get in my head and I'm, I always feel like they're just going to tell me what I know I need to be doing that I'm just not doing. And I don't want to hear it <laughs> because I should probably just be doing it. Or I say, like, I'm not high up enough to need a career right. coach. We're going to dive right into that moment. Okay. okay. I know. So oh. First of all, if you are in cycles of panic, if you're losing sleep, right? If you know, like me, I discovered I was 30,000 euro underpaid to the guy next to me who was on a performance plan and I was a top performer. If you are feeling lost and confused about the future, that is wonderful time to think about coaching. When you're thinking about coaching, then it's like, okay, what is the door I want to walk through first? Because if someone works with me, I focus on career. I focus on women in technology. Right? Mm -hmm. If they want to start with their career, because money really does matter, and that's the first lever they want to start with, then that's a great reason to reach out to a career coach who has credentials. Sometimes that's going to be a certification. For example, I'm thrice certified and I'm working on my fourth. But it could also just be lived experience. I'm a former executive. I worked in 25 countries. You can look at right. my LinkedIn and you can see that I actually did that work. You can see who I'm connected with and who I'm, I'm in conversation with. But also have proven results. Now, if you're talking to a coach that's just starting their business, right, that's one thing, but they should be charging you different than somebody who, right. you know, when you go on to LinkedIn and you see other people talking about that coach, that's a really good reason to reach out to them. Please note, I just said reach out to them. I will not be in anybody's DMs. Why? My business is thriving. My clients are thriving. Do I think marketing is wrong? No, go on my LinkedIn and on my Facebook and Instagram. You're going to see tons of marketing. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to Jehovah Witness you at your door in your DM. Thank you. Like, seriously. Right? very much. Seriously. I think a yeah. lot of people are very over in mail on LinkedIn. And I think as we spoke on the last episode we were on together, that like networking is so important. Right. And that it it's networking is such a big word, but like step number one is just reach out. Like if right. you're curious and you want to know more, just reach out. So right. thank you yes. advocating well, on that front. Yeah. And it's also, you know, I had someone reach out recently who, and and I meet this with great compassion, but they wrote, they reached out to me and they're like, we, the first line, we help coaches like you reach a hundred K. And I was like, well, I could have used you two years ago. Right. right. But if you looked, you'll see my business is thriving. So thanks. That's slightly insulting, yeah. you know, and I just wrote back. No, thank you. Right. Yeah. And then I archived the message. So anyway, so that's the first thing. It's like, what what is going on for you? Is it future focused? Is it current or is it actually driven by the past? So I would say and it's it's shifting now, but there was a time when about 50% of the people that got onto a consultation with me, I would say to them, you know, I can help you after you've had some therapy. Good for you, right? Because it's also like, you know, I'm not solving your personal fucking trauma that's feeling this insecurity. Yeah. And it also has some principle behind it, right? Of like, yeah. for this to actually be effective, you need to deal with this other thing first because I can take your money and talk to you. But like, it's not going to resonate until you understand these systems of stress or trauma or pain underlying. Yeah. 
In the majority of my, actually, I don't think I have a client right now who isn't working with a therapist or guru and me at the same time. That's awesome. And one of the things that I always say is, you know, I had a therapist recommend me and I still get goosebumps when I think about it. So one of my clients was thoroughly thriving. Another client needed support. So this therapist said, hey, I can't say that this person is the right person for you, but you should definitely talk to them. And that to me is like a surgeon being like, that's you know what? Really it just cool. fixed your hip. Go talk to this physical therapist. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> flip my There's hair. Major hair flipping. <laughs> major hair flip. And so one of the things that's really important is like understanding. So the coach has credentials, lived experience. They have recommendations in the real world to get off of their website and make sure that these people actually exist. I'm sorry to say it like this, but like literally please do that. You know that you're working on a goal or a pain point of today into the future. That's super important. And then you need to be clear, like what is this person potentially bringing to you, right? So I am very blunt. I talk about white supremacy. I talk about patriarchy. I am like, straight into your face. And I will say, I say this with great love, right? but no, we're not doing that. And this is why I bring neuroscience into it. I bring my own story. So I'm, I'm a coach that like shares my own perspectives. I will say to them, after we've done their coaching and after I've potentially taught them a framework or something, then I'll say, would you like to hear my lived experience? Would you like to hear my perspective? Oh, that's cool. Right. And then I'll offer that to them. So if somebody needs to be held and have a lot of space in a session, do not work with me. That's why you get on a consult. You spend half an hour, an hour, whatever that coach does, and you do it with more than one person. So if someone comes to me and says, I've never worked with a coach, I think I'm too junior or whatever it is. I'm going to say, please go talk to two or three other coaches. You got to know it works. You got to know that you're going to build a position of trust. Like almost speed dating. Like you need to date a little bit before you get into a monogamous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And here's the, the fifth part where I step on a lot of toes because I'm blunt. If the coach says to you, I mean... I can't guarantee you results. You you have to do all the work. I have a real problem with that. I would mm-hmm. never hire a marketing agency who told me like, I mean, you're going to pay me, but like, who knows? No guaranteed ROI. <laughs> no, you know, who knows, right? Or like, I actually just went through this. I bought a software as a service and I had in writing that they could do certain things that I wanted to offer to my clients. And I, I gave them money. And then they were like, oh, that's in our roadmap. Mm. Excuse me. You can't put that in a contract, boo. Excuse me. Right. And so, you know, I guarantee my clients results. We work on a smart goal. This is your goal. If I offer to work with you, it's because I believe I am the partner to help you get your goal. And then we're going to get that damn goal. We're going to do it. Now, of course, some of my clients, for example, I just had a client who wanted to become a a product manager. Yep. Like, yep, you got the skills, you got the personality, you've got the passion, let's go, right? Halfway through, her employer comes to her and says, so you, off the record, like, we've got this problem area. Do you have any thoughts? She wrote up the job description and she got it and she got a 40% pay increase. That's awesome. So did she get the original goal? No. Is she satisfied? Yes. 
Did I promise results and she got them? Yes. So that's the fifth thing. It's like working with a coach who takes the level of accountability and responsibility that you feel comfortable with, right? And I mark it on stress less, work less, earn more. So if someone comes to me and says, I just want to, I have a client right now. Literally her only goal is I want to sleep through the night. That's so sad that that's a goal, but that's such a relatable goal in some ways. Like I've been in jobs like that. And I think it's really great for our listeners and myself included. I think we think sometimes that soft skills shouldn't have quantifiable outcomes. You know, that this qualitative discussion shouldn't have measurable things that come out of it. And I think about the same thing about therapy. Like I can tell in conversations with my partner where I'm like, Mm, this feels like anger that's displaced and not even about the thing that we're talking about. I should pause and be like, what am I actually upset about? That is my well-spent money from therapy being like, what are some communication tropes I often fall into? Mm -hmm. And I think you're showing the same thing here, that it's not like career coaching is this nebulous thing that can never be measured. It's like, no, I will get you to the place you want to be. And if other people say they can, it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. which is fantastic. And, you know, one of the things that helps you just really quickly, I never use the term soft skills. I always talk about leadership and interpersonal skills. And I actually got this from Brene Brown. I like that better. Brene Brown has the largest data set for leadership in the entire world. Her data set is larger than the Global Leadership Institute's data set. Wow. But what does mass media call her? Like a career coach or something like that? Goddess of the the self-help goddess, the self-help guru. And then they call this guy Gary Vee, who has yep. a lot of very wonderful things to say. I'm not saying he doesn't have a lot of wonderful things. He ain't got data. And they call him a global right. leadership expert. So soft skills, go ahead and take that right on out of your vocabulary. It's interpersonal or leadership skills, right? And it really helps me when I start getting sucked up in capitalism and industrialism. It really helps me to go back to like 17th century novels and see what's important. Just get myself out of everything has to be some sort of external measurable thing, right? Being able to sleep or not crying in the bathroom every day. Okay, so I was in Germany and I built my career in Germany. So I was hanging out with with some people who have known me since my 20s. And we got drunk. And one of the guys was like, I agree do as we do in Germany, of course. And one of the guys was like, "Do you remember when you pretended you weren't crying in the bathroom every day?" Like that's an internal measurable metric. Yeah. So I yes. feel the need to cry every day about right. my job. Still when- measurable. Still, Still measurable. Effective. Yeah. Yep. It's just internal, right? Yeah. Yep. So so I think that's really important. And then the questions you asked. My personal belief is that if you're asking yourself, do I want to talk to somebody about what I'm doing? Like about my career, then the answer is yes. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like if you're in a friendship and you're like, is this friendship like a give take? The answer is no. If you're yeah. asking the question, the answer is already there in your soul. The thing that happens at that moment is sometimes you need a mentor, right? Sometimes you need a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that needs, sometimes you need a career coach, right? And so 
I I am not personally of the opinion that you need a coach all the time. I happen to always have one, right? Right now I'm working with somebody because I have a deep, deep, deep fear of success, which is hilarious. Look at my background, but whatevs. And so I'm working with a coach right now who is helping me around feelings like that in my life, right? And so there are times to work with a coach. There are times to work with a therapist. There are times to work with a mentor. But if you, the statistics tell you, and this is from the Leadership Institute in Europe where, you know, all these CEOs wannabes go in Scotland, their statistics show that if you have a career coach interventions throughout your career, you will have better connections with your life, i.e. family, and you'll earn more money. Mm -hmm. So it's valuable to have it. And I wouldn't always wait until you're in pain and you're having cycles of panic, right? You discover you're 30K underpaid. That sucked, right? I got sent to coaching for the first time because I was very confused about aggression and assertiveness. (laughs) Mm. Super confused. That's so important. Yeah. So, I mean... I had worked with a guy who was super aggressive. I come from an abusive background, right? So like I copied him. I got a massive pay increase. I got a promotion. Everything was great until he left the company and then I was fucked, right? Yeah. And thankfully, I worked for a company that believed in me and was like, hey, so here's the deal. Get yourself together. Become reasonable to work with. Yes. Here's a coach. And it was amazing. Yeah. Right? Wow. Totally change things. I think the difference between aggression and assertiveness is an interesting topic, too, because, you know, Alex and I, when we were talking about this, we were kind of saying, is this frame different depending on where you are in the country? Right. Mm -hmm. We live in the Midwest where there's a trope of Midwest nice. When I think about my first job as a manager, it actually wasn't presented to me. I just saw our organization being really in need of a restructure. And so I proposed a restructure to my boss. And I was like 26. And he was probably like, who the hell do you think you are? But he's- I'm Nicole. I'm Nicole, please listen to me. But I I also very much think that it was because he was not American. He was Swedish too, Mm -hmm. or uh, European. And so I like walked in with my proposal, like handshaking. And the first question he asked was, so you want to raise? And I was like, nah, huh. I don't <laughs> talk about this one first. But I, I added on there and spoke really quietly to like, I feel like I'm the right person to do this. I feel like, you know, people want to follow me. I feel like I can lead with compassion when really I could have been like, look, I've been doing this fucking job for the past two years. It, you know, when I said that, but like well, it's it's <laughs> appropriate to pay me for the job I've already been doing. I have these proof points like could have come in a lot more assertively. But that to me is aggressive. So I think you have both spectrums. Mm. Learn aggression sometimes gets people rewarded. And then sometimes you're so yeah. averted to aggression, you mistake assertiveness for aggression. Right. Yeah. And Alex, you were bringing up like, does that vary across the country? Well, yeah, because right? for me, I'm. I mean, I I think the whole Midwest thing is just fascinating in that I'm from the New York City area. I don't know. All all my girls from the New York City area probably, you know, relate right now, which is just the hustle on assertiveness is one to one. Like I happen to go to college in the city, too. But like once you're trying to get a job in New York City and have that fabulous working lifestyle, you're not getting that by just 
sitting around, not making connections, not asking for what you want. And then five years ago, I come to Madison and I have met and still know so many amazing women from that job. But I really found like, it's got to be the assertive piece. I have to believe that like there's people are a lot less assertive here. And I'm throwing my partner under the bus a little bit, but even him as a white male in America is Midwest and like is even a little apprehensive to ask her 5K more on an offer. And I saw that a little bit like with my colleague at this previous job. And so I know that through this podcast and through just being here the last five years and befriending all these amazing women and talking through it, I definitely get the sense that there's a little bit of apprehension in terms of whether the assertiveness comes off aggressive or not, right? Right. You want to be West nice. You probably feel like you don't want to be assertive because it's going to maybe come off a little bit more aggressive than you want it to. Yep. So I don't know. It's, I find that like a fascinating and perspective. Do you see a difference internationally from your perspective as well? Oh my goodness. Like that's really fascinating because I don't think I've ever thought about different regions of the United States in terms of how do people show up with their assertiveness or regression or shyness or however we want to call it. That's really fascinating. So I can speak from having looked at thousands of people's performance reviews, their salary, sat on a ton of interviewing panels for global positions. And how assertiveness comes into the conversation. So right now I'm thinking of like an extreme example was a Japanese employee mm-hmm. in Japan, female, a very different setup, but she made sure she got her money. It just happened in a different way, right? Whereas, you know, I had other individuals who showed up very assertive for the company, for the projects but didn't do it for themselves. So I think there are definitely different cultural expectations and norms. And I don't know why this is coming into my head right now, but when I started my business, I actually didn't know what I wanted to really do. Mm -hmm. And I thought about fierce. I thought about assertiveness. I thought about ask where you want, that kind of stuff. And in a conversation with my husband, he was the one that was like, you talk about being brave all the time because being brave is very, very hard for me. I know it shocks like everybody in my life, but like genuinely, it's really hard. for Yeah. Me. And so that's why I've made a framework and that's why I'm really specific about it. That's why like Glennon Doyle's quote, brave is disappointing everyone else, but never yourself. Whatever that uh, means for you, dating, in, going in, out, asking for less, asking for more, whatever the case is, right? Less work, more money as an example. Um, and that somehow seems to come into this conversation right here because however it is for you to show up, whether you're from Kenya or you're living in Indonesia or whatever, it's the quiet confidence and the belief and the choice to show up for yourself. And if that's too scary, because I know that that's really scary for a lot of my clients, who are you showing up? for. And I always think about, I had a mentor. He was the sponsor on one of my programs. He was a black man from Compton and I was too scared to ask for dollars for a program. And he says to me, so here's the deal. You're a pretty white girl. If you don't open the door, if you don't make it wider for yourself, black girls ain't going to get through. Oh shit. So you have to do this now. 
And that was a real turning moment in my entire life because sometimes I don't want to ask for myself. Yeah. So I better ask for all the boys and girls and non-binary people and trans people coming up behind me. I better open that damn door. And when I say behind me, I don't mean in age. I mean in privilege and access and interest yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatever, right? Because like to the point, you know, Carrie, she inspired me so much. I have quoted her. I have sent my client the podcast episode we did. I have sent that to a client and said, listen to her. Yeah. She's in a layoff conversation. She's like, so help me find a job. Yeah. Yeah. And she's way younger than me, yeah. right? And for me, that's incredibly assertive. It's not aggressive. And it's very brave in her own way. I think that speaks to women. Oftentimes, we will feel this guilt of asking for too much. And when we're talking about cultural norms, how much of that is cultural norm and how much of that is the patriarchy convincing you that you don't deserve it, right? But like, I've often found too, I've struggled with putting any of my employees on a PIP, for example, a performance mm. improvement plan. But I have to go back to how fair is this to the team? What else is this affecting? You know, have you given this employee multiple chances, blah, blah, blah. And then once I get to that, I'm reading this book called Extreme Ownership, and it's written by a couple of Navy SEALs. And while their their situations are not the most relatable to me. Do they talk about sleep deprivation? A hundred percent, Alex. Full circle. But the whole concept is like, you can almost have this empathy and care for other people and still be direct. And I often have thought of past years thinking, I hope my boss is advocating for herself because yeah. she can't advocate for me unless yeah. she opens the door for herself. And the same with me. I need to advocate for myself and my yeah. team. It's like yeah. one in the same, yeah. which I think helps a lot of people. Well, and that feels, you know, like bravery, like confidence, like assertiveness, all wrapped up in a big little bow. Yeah. 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 One of my clients right now, she's in upper management. So the Build Your Brave framework has three elements, clarity, momentum, and accountability. And we were working on her clarity because she was highly, highly, highly accountable to self. So not holding other people accountable. That's called control. <laughs> I have a framework called the accountability triangle. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? Stop controlling people. You know, amazing and accountability. Like I'm going to actually have her speak to my other clients in our group session about accountability. Cool. Really good at getting things done. And then with the clarity, because she's such an amazing listener, she needed to practice like showing up in clarity. And so when she started to do that, she also got more clear about she knew what she needed in budget. She knew what the performance was. She knew how to get it done. But it was like, making it super clear to other people so they would have the opportunity to choose to understand. And as a result, her entire team got an average of 25% more money this year. Yeah. Wow. That is not surprising. No, no, right? We got it. We got to stand for each other, right? That's amazing. And the way we stand for each other, as hokey as it sounds, is we put on our own damn oxygen mask and we stand for yeah. ourselves. Yep. So... I I'm hearing that we need to find a way to either be self-aware or recognize maybe before we're panicky that it's time to kind of get an external perspective. Mm -hmm. Are there any other 
this question is, I guess, for all of us is like, are there any other triggers or moments that we feel like before things get panicky, like moments of clarity that we need to observe and step back and say, now's the time to get a career coach? Yeah, I think that, so the one that right now seems to be landing globally is surprise. For example, if you go into your performance evaluation and you're surprised because it's so good or it's so bad or it's so not about you, (laughs) you need to get a career coach because you're not aware of what's going on. That's a good litmus test. Yeah, that's a really good litmus test of if you're surprised, if you're stressed and can't sleep, if you're not sleeping key, um, if you're kind of or wondering what that next step is, but really before that panic sets in. And I think, Nicole, you did a really good job of outlining. It's a relationship. It's just think about a therapist. If you didn't like a therapist, would you keep going to them? The answer should be no. You know, if you didn't like a person, would you keep dating them? The answer should be no. So why the hell would you treat this really important? Your career is so personal and it's not a job. I think that's the other thing I love about this concept of career and taking it a step further bravery coaching is it's not a point in time. Whenever someone asks in a review, what is your five-year plan? I used to hate that question. I'd be like, I don't fucking know. I don't know what I'm doing next week. Seriously. And so like now when I do that with my team, I do like, what's your six month plan? What's your one year plan? Three year plan. But then I also ask, what are the skills you want to grow in? What do you want to on, you know, six months from now and say like, I was mediocre at best at that. And now I'm a fucking expert. Like what makes you the most proud and what brings you energy? What skills are involved in that? Then what do you want? I want 30% of my time to be me doing something where I get to feel like a fucking rock star. Even if that's expense reports, that makes me feel like a rock star. Okay, 30% of your job should be that or whatever it is. So I think like asking yourself in a different way. Just gotta... No, I think those are all really good takeaways, right? Because I mean, yeah. a lot of us, you know, have worked really hard on these careers and where we are to date. And I mean, I'm, I've said it a couple of times in a few episodes now, it's like, I feel like it's not until you take a moment and you step back and you really think about this moment in time, what you might want the future to look at, like what what's impacting you right now or not. I love the surprise factor. Yeah, I feel like that is absolutely an indicator before things literally before things might get panicky. But I feel like these are all good kind of indicators to say, whether it's a therapist or a friend, or you just need to go have a damn drink and talk about it, right? Or a career coach, whatever it is, is understanding that you don't have to do this alone. There are literally so many barriers that have been created through the patriarchy yeah. and other things that mm-hmm. are creating this experience, and you you don't have to do it alone. So no. ask for help. No, and and no, we, or no. It, it, no, you don't have to do it alone. Yes, ask for help. Nicole, you have your own podcast. It's called Celebrate Brave. And you go over some of your structures and tips. So definitely listeners, give that a try. There's multiple seasons. And this most recent season is very detailed and goes through the 2.0 framework, which is awesome. And to Nicole's point, like there are many other people who are different fits. All of us are different, right? So like 
blunt global Nicole is definitely my flavor, but she might not be yours. <laughs> so go find your flavor. Go find your mint chocolate chip. Find your flavor. And find your favor. And thank you, Nicole, for speaking with us about this because it's such an intimidating topic that can seem like, I don't want to say delicacy. It can seem frivolous, okay. like not required, right? And it can seem like, I, you know, I got to keep tight to my budget. I don't want to spend money on this when really it's such an investment in yourself, right? It, like self-care is not a bubble bath. This is part of self-care that's so important and such an investment in who we all are as professional women that Alex and I really appreciate you taking the, the time to to speak with us mm -hmm. about it. And I'm so grateful because this is such an important topic. You know, as we get access to more layers, levels, and levers of power, we need help and support, and we need to help and support each other. And that is whatever that technique and tool is, whether it's mentoring someone else, being mentored, going to therapy, you know, actually setting up a life you like, which is the best damn self-care possible, mm -hmm. coaching, you know, shifting careers, whatever it is, like we need to support each other as we do that in the best good old gals network possible. So thank you. Before you go, you can deepen and expand what you're experiencing here on the Celebrate Brave podcast by working directly with me through bespoke, results-oriented one-on-one coaching that is rooted in my proven Build Your Brave framework. As of the last client survey completed in Q1 2023, 75% of my clients from the past two years report they reached their unique goal. 100% of my clients, yes, 100% report they stress less as a result of working with me. 56% report working less and 43% report earning more. You learned how to spend less time ruminating and stressing yourself out by getting clearer and calmer within a mindset approach that is simple, effective, and specific to you. Then we work together to end the habit of overworking and overproducing by crafting a plan of momentum specific to your goals and strengths. I support you as you execute your plan, including the skills and knowledge necessary to succeed in your own accountability. And finally, you step away from the all-too-common pattern of under-earning and make the shifts towards being well-paid in your industry, using the clarity and momentum to ensure you become the woman you want to be at work and in your life for real. Go to tricksteinbach.com to learn more and schedule your free, no obligation consultation. Link in the show notes. You can stress and work less while you earn and live more by building the skill of bravery. Talk soon.